Welcome to the Real Tell Podcast. This is your host, Kelsey Loizel, and with me today is my co-host, Mark Salcedo. Hi, Mark. Hi. Um, I have some words of wisdom for you today. What are these words of wisdom? Um, I just want you to know that history isn't here yet. It's coming, but maybe this time we could take it on our own terms. Very, very wise words. Unfortunately, as history is being written, we're all going to die. <laughs> well, what is it? This is the something timeline. There's like... The dumbest timeline? No. The dum-dumb timeline? <laughs> sure, it's the dum-dumb t- <laughs> We'll go with that. It's the dum-dumb timeline. <laughs> we're in the dum-dumb timeline. <laughs> Um, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Real Appeal, two E's in real. Um, and you can email us at therealappeal at gmail.com. If you could please review us on iTunes, we would be only in your debt for half a day. Um, <laughs> we'll be, we'll be in your debt for as many stars as you can give us. So if you give us five stars, we'll be in your debt for five minutes. I thought you were going to say five days. No, fuck that. I got shit to do. <laughs> shit, I got a life to live. <laughs> I mean, not really, but, you know, I like to tell people I do. You do. Yeah. You do. <laughs> um. Okay. This week, we've got the news. Recent review is First Cow. Moo. I always say it in my head, like, First Cow. Like, <laughs> First Cow. When you say it like that, in my head, I go, go see cow, go see cow, go see cow. That car commercial. Oh, I showed the car commercial a long time ago. Cal Worthington. Oh, yeah. You showed it. To, I remember. Yeah. No, I was see. First cow. Like, I got the first cow. First cow. Like, I said it first, <laughs> yeah, you know? Yeah, I got the first cow. First cow. Yeah. Uh, variety Time, Cows and Dreams. Um, and our geriatric cinematic is Scarface. Yes, the 1983 Brian De Palma classic. Yum. Yum, yum. Uh, Go ahead. No. Oh, well, the topic. So that was going to take over. Oh, that's what I was going to say, too. Well, I'm, I'm taking it. Okay. All right. You go. I know, I know, I know. Sorry, sorry. I played around. <laughs> yeah, the topic for this week is uh, searching for the American dream. And mm-hmm. um, I had this realization before we start recording. I thought. Wow, I picked a great choice. First Cal and Scarface. You wouldn't think they would mash up well, but they kind of do. Perfectly, actually. (laughs) All right. You know, since Mark has done tooting his own fucking horn, (laughs) let's just get into the news. That's my own horn. (laughs) Um, Disney analyst cuts stock. Um, since the pandemic is going to hit them harder and longer than they expected. Mm-hmm. Um, so they think cinemas are going to be largely closed until mid-2021. Um, and so they reduced their stock price or their stock price target from $101 to $97, mm-hmm. which doesn't mean a whole lot to me. But... Yeah. Um, Cohen's Doug Kreutz, um said, or he wrote on th- on Thursday, with the spread of COVID nineteen having accelerated in the U S, we expect a prolonged impact. Um, and then he also said that Florida and California um, both have the theme parks. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and it, they account for about 33% of new U.S. cases. Fuck. Um, Disneyland, the deadliest place on earth. <laughs> <laughs> um, they might as well call it Disturbia. <laughs> Seriously, shit. <laughs> Uh, he also wrote, we have now extended that timeline out to at least mid-2021. The situation remains very fluid, and we do not rule out the possibility that the impact could last even longer. Um, and then he said that as far as the theme parks unit goes, mm-hmm. um, the recovery trajectory to, uh, could be pushed out to at least a year. Fuck, that sucks. Yeah, because... Um you were going to go there for your birthday. <laughs> did, 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 yo, no, for real. For real. There was a plan. Because I hadn't, I hadn't been in Disneyland in a couple of years. I got burnt out on it. Um, after a while, like, going there every weekend, every other weekend, because I had annual pass. And we were supposed to go for my birthday. Exactly, exactly. And, like, <clears throat> we're gear, uh, I was gearing up to go there because of fucking uh, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. And every time we got closer to my birthday, I was like, all right, we're going to go this day. And like something came up, and like I think like the last time I was supposed to go, it was like raining that day. And I was like, all right, well, I'm not going to Disneyland while it's raining, so fuck this shit. And mm-hmm. then like a week later, Disneyland's closed because of COVID. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll, I'll never see Star Wars Galaxy Edge. Never. Never. Uh, yeah. So this guy, uh, uh, what's his name, Kruitz, Um, He said, yeah, the Disneyland and the cinemas, like they're gonna. I mean, Disney Disney World is open. It's still open, yeah. It's open. I I would not be surprised that next week they decide to close again. I'm surprised they haven't already. It's really weird because yeah. we're doing really poorly, and everyone's they, trying to get that money. And I keep I got a an email from the nail salon that I go to, mm. like thirty percent off tomorrow or whatever, and I'm yeah. like. I didn't know they were still open. I thought they closed again. Yeah, yeah. And like a lot of people, they're ignoring. They're ignoring or they're like, um, they're choosing not to uh, keep the shops closed. And it, it's understandable because a lot of people got fucked over when they asked for like um, like business loans or whatever from like the government. And mm-hmm. like, you know, these big corporations got got these billion dollar checks while like the smaller mom and pop shots, um, especially like they minorities. They were denied. They're denied or... Uh, they have to close up. Like there, there is several bars and like indie clubs in LA, like in um, uh, indie music vendors venues that they're closing up because the entertainment. Um, the it's weird because like the neon retro arcade, mm-hmm. they fall into like this weird category where like entertainment mm-hmm. doesn't really. Um, Qualify. qualify for a loan yeah like family entertainment That's even even though they're not really like a theme park or yeah. whatever it's like an arcade yeah um they still don't they don't qualify that's fucked up yeah and they have to in a lot of these places they have to do like crowdfunding yeah um just to like stay afloat for like a month mm-hmm. there was an article i came across about um certain bars they're gonna have to like turn not necessarily turn the bar but they're gonna have to open up their kitchen and just serve as like a restaurant mm-hmm. um so they can at least try to stay afloat yeah yeah it sucks though that i know i miss footsies and the money oh i miss those bars too um uh, but yeah the whole thing like movie theaters are gonna most likely stay closed until like mid 2020 uh sorry 2021 i, I don't doubt it i also kind of don't care 
I heard that fucking tenant. I mean, this isn't on the docket, but tenant got pushed back indefinitely. Oh yeah. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. you knew that was gonna happen. Sorry, <laughs> Christopher Nolan. <laughs> and then like, also not in the same article, but another article. It said like, tenant has to make like eight hundred million dollars to make its money back, because it's like so crazy. <laughs> I really. Like, I really hope that they wait until things are good mm-hmm. and open yeah. before they release that, because that's what I do want to see in theaters. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Chris Nolan's filmmaking, I mean, given what, like, his, uh, st- like, the story and the script can be kind of poo-poo, mm-hmm. um, visually, whew, fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. But, I don't know, we'll have to wait and see. I think it's funny that the picture that they have for their, like, movie poster mm. or the news articles mm. is john david washington with a oxygen oh, mask yeah. on <laughs> yeah. and we're in a pandemic and everyone's complaining about yeah, wearing, wearing a mask. mask yeah that's hilarious <laughs> uh all right so what else happened in news is that uh chris evans and ryan goslin are working together for a netflix uh film directed by the russell brothers uh this is to be the biggest or the largest budget film today for netflix um Coming in to about $200 million, The Gray Man, that's espionage thriller starring Evans and Gosselin with the Russell Brothers Direct. Um, they said the goal is to like start a new franchise that's like a Bond, James Bond level scale, which I think is pretty dope. Because um, James Bond, I mean, James Bond is James Bond, but like espionage and like spy thriller still sell pretty well. Mm-hmm. But like the king of like espionage and like franchise and stuff like that is James Bond. The biggest contender was like the Bourne films, mm-hmm. but like the last Bourne films sucked so badly. They're like, yeah, fuck it, we're done with this, this whole thing. Um, also, he's getting kind of old. Oh, Matt Damon. Yeah. Yo, he was like old as shit in the last Bourne film, and I was just like, man, you should just not have come back. Yeah. Uh, so what the film is based on is his book, uh, 2009, Mark Greeny. Um, he introduced the Gray Man, a freelance assassin and former CIA operative named Court Gentry. Mm-hmm. It's a weird ass name. Uh, so the, it's going to be like an action thriller with like a deadly duel between killers as Gentry, uh, played by, play by Gosselin, uh, is hunted across the globe by Lloyd Hansen, played by Evans, a former cohort of Gentry and the CIA. This sounds interesting. I'm totally for this. Um, I like the Russell brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, they help produce Extraction. Which you and I both really liked. Yeah, yeah. That was a really good action film. Um, and it's Chris Evans and like Ryan Gosling. I like watching them perform. They're, they're good actors. Mm-hmm. Um, the Russo's, Anthony Russo said this about the project. He said, the movie's a real mano a mano between two great actors who represent two different versions of CIA. He goes on, da 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 da. Says, and he, goes, he says, for those who were fans of Captain America when a soldier, this is us moving into the territory in a more real world setting. That's dope. I love Winter Soldier. I'm actually really excited because I, I think you had mentioned it would have been cool to like, or if they were going to do a spinoff, they could show Bucky's timeline and like what he went oh, through, yeah, like really yeah. went through and made it like a, an espionage movie. Yeah. Cause his whole thing is the Winter Soldier is actually pretty fucking dope. Yeah. Um, so aside from getting that, which mm. I hope they do eventually, mm-hmm. which they probably won't, but mm. Um, I think they might explore that in um, uh, the Falcon, the Winter Soldier show, whenever that gets out. Yeah. I think they're going to kind of explore that. Um, 
I would love to see this just based on what they did with the Winter Soldier. Yeah, and like I say, it's the Russo brothers who have proved themselves multiple times that they are great at action films. Mm-hmm. And working and uh, working with this this talent like Chris Evans and Ryan Gosling, it's it's gonna be. Good. I also like the fact that it's gonna be on Netflix. Yeah, <laughs> we don't have to be like, oh, is it ever coming on theater? No, it's gonna be on Netflix. Mm. You know, I can watch it on my my new forty three inch TV that <laughs> I like. I don't, that you finally like that you're I not know. depressed about yeah. getting now. <laughs> I know, I know, y'all listen. It's like forty three. That's it. Look, I have a small room. It's perfect. It's he has fucking- a thing about TVs. He doesn't like them in his bedroom. Mm. Doesn't like them being bigger than he thinks he needs because then he gets depressed and then he's like why did i buy that fucking thing and then he's gotta look at it every day yeah and i'm like you review movies <laughs> I know. why don't you just get a better tv I so know. you can see a better quality i know for the longest i just had like a small like 30 inch tv or whatever i was like ah oh, you know i'm getting the quality and Go to movie theater and we'll like watch it and see on big screen or watch on your TV that's that's big, you know. Yeah. But I don't know. Maybe maybe it's the position of the TV because I always have it by like a window and I feel like it like overshadows the window. And I'm a visual person. I like looking outside and shit like that. So maybe that's it. Because when I look out the window, I saw like Black Void, which is my TV. I got issue. Shut I, up. I hated your TV for the longest time because <laughs> it had you could turn it up all the way and still not fucking hear it. Yeah, that, yeah. Until you ended up with my old sound bar. Yeah, which I'm actually really grateful for because <laughs> I'm yeah. like, oh wow, I don't have to crank it up to full blast to hear the fucking dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's that's the news on on Ryan Gosling and uh, the new Chris Evans film. What else we got? Uh, John Boyega, he is not interested in returning to star wars as finn or star wars at all yeah um he, rightfully so shit he, exactly um he responded to a user on instagram um at TechSteveO. he said force finn in action with green lightsaber dressed in black is all i want from the next star wars film and boyega replied laugh out loud no thank you i'll move on heart emoji i i have the the cast of Star Wars, Daisy Ridley, John, um, what's it, John Isaac, uh, Oscar Isaac, and John Boyer, they've been asked this multiple times if they would ever come back for a new Star Wars film. And given, like, from what they heard of their experience, it was just not very well. Mm-hmm. Um, what about Adam Driver? Adam Driver's the type of person who's just like, I'm done with the project. Like, I don't want to do it again. Oh, okay. Like, he seems like a guy who, first of all, Adam Driver's a really great actor. Like, he doesn't have to be in big budget films ever yeah. again. He's a really good... So is John Boyega, Oscar Isaac, and even um, Daisy Ridley. They are great actors without big budget films. Mm-hmm. So it's no surprise that Boyega, who's moving on to so many other projects, he's just like, nah, I'm done. I don't need this shit. Especially right. like the toxic fandom of fucking Star Wars. Why mm-hmm. would you want to put yourself in that situation again? I did see someone um, post, I think in regards to... I I had seen another article about him not wanting to return or something. Mm -hmm. And someone had said in the comment section, like, Mm -hmm. I'm good without that character. And I thought it was great that he wasn't like, well, fuck John Boyega, blah, blah, blah. He's just like, I didn't really like the character. He Mm -hmm. was just kind of like the, not the heel. He wasn't like a villain, but he wasn't. Like, he was like the butt of everybody's joke or something. Yeah, like, like that's exactly what he said. Yeah, like his character, okay, his introduction into the Star Wars, like the idea of like a stormtrooper 
working for the rebellion and actually like having a conscience and then like the idea that the stormtroopers are no longer like clones they're like kidnapped uh kidnapped children mm-hmm. forced into this war which is like you know like in in foreign countries how they kidnap like these terrorist groups or these rebel fighters or whatever mm-hmm. they kidnap these kids at a young age and make them young fighters you know and they die at an early age i thought that was story was brilliant because it was very current and then they just fucked it all up, especially like in the in the last movie. Mm-hmm. They were like, "Oh yeah, these 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 people are like kidnapped children. Ah, eh, fuck it, we'll kill them anyway." Yeah. So they what I think they did is they had too many people that they wanted to make the main character, mm. and it, none of, so it didn't pan out. Yeah, because they started introducing more characters like too later into the story. Yeah. Like um, I can't remember the actress's name who was in. Um, uh, uh, the Rise of Skywalker. Um, she was the black girl. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, like she, she would have been great if they added her maybe in the second one. Better mm-hmm. if if she was added in, um, The Force Awakens. Yeah. Or even like Carrie Russell. That would have been great. To ask her, add her back in, um, The Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. But like you ask, you add these characters, either in the middle or near the end of the final of your trilogy. Come on, you you really fucked up. Yeah. Well, they had too many, like, main storylines going on, so they couldn't yeah. do them justice yeah, altogether. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And I'm happy for him because he was really great in Imperial Dreams, and I'd love to oh, see yeah, him do right. other things. Yeah, he's talented. What's that? What else is next? You know. Oh, you want me to take, take this one? Yeah. All right. Unruly. Okay, this is a film that's going to be about the legendary boxer Jack Johnson, and it's starring Mahershala Ali. Mm-hmm. So, I have a couple of thoughts on this. Okay. One, it's Mahershala Ali. Okay. Love me some Mahershala Ali. Uh-huh. And I know you're with me on this one, too. Yes. Two, um, I was, I, in my African American Studies class, I was doing research on Jack Johnson. Fascinating fucking character. Mm-hmm. Dude is perfect for this role. Oh, okay. He is perfect. Like, I'll show you a picture of Jack Johnson, and I'll show you a picture of Mahershala Ali, and just picture Mahershala Ali bald, you'll be like, holy shit, that's him. I've seen him bald. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I'll show you the guy. But it's it's brilliant. Um, there's this really great documentary called uh, Unforgivable Blackness, mm-hmm. and about how Jack Johnson was like this boxer who, no lie, no white dude could beat him. He's like six foot one. He's built like a shit brick house or whatever the term is mm-hmm. and there were boxers that were white boxers who was like i don't fight black i don't fight black people blah 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 because i know i'm superior but we all knew like yo this is gonna fuck you up yeah exactly and he, <laughs> and he got a chance he he was the champ he was a, a champion for a long time and mm-hmm. he he was some black in the black community some some as a traitor because he slept with white women oh. but he was the guy who was just like i don't give a fuck I'm Jack Johnson. I do whatever the fuck I want. He he would cross that color barrier. And this was at a time during the, um, not the Reconstruction era. This is during the um, the Great Migration era mm-hmm. where white people were still trying to put black people in their place. But black people were just like, no, we're getting into sports. We're getting into politics. We're getting into the army. We're getting yeah. into this because we deserve it. And yeah. Jack Johnson, you couldn't tell no to this guy. Mine, he was also an asshole too. Yeah, yeah. Um, so HBO is doing a limited series on the boxer. Um, 
It's based off of Ken Burns' documentary, Unforgivable Blackness, The Rise and Fall of Jack Johnson, and the book by Jeffrey C. Ward. Um, what else? It looks like the writer, Dominic Mauricio. Mauricio? Morriso. Morriso, there you go. Um, is working on the script. and Oh, shit. Tom Hanks is an executive producer on it. Mm-hmm. And Mahershala Ali. Cool, cool, cool. So, what I think is funny, two things. Mm-hmm. Mahershala Ali was in Green Book. <laughs> Fuck that movie. Okay, like, uh. like, I don't, I get this weird vibe. Mm. He's great. Mm. I don't know him as a person. Mm. Um, I think he is actually Muslim, right? Yeah, he's actually a practicing Muslim. So he's probably, because of his religion, and I'm pretty sure he follows it pretty, mm. like, he's probably a great person. Mm. But sometimes I think that he's almost like he plays all of these poignant black historical figures. That That is a common thing in Hollywood. That I almost feel like he's almost like the white savior in black clothes. I, okay, I get you. know what I'm saying? I, I get you. Um, this Especially because Green Book sucked. This is a, current, this is a, a trend in Hollywood with the, the newest It black guy or black actress um chadwick bozeman went through this where he was he played uh thurgood marshall and he played uh, he played a box he played the baseball player which name is escaping me right now it wasn't babe ruth was it (laughs) yeah it was definitely babe ruth (laughs) no he played um shit Brecken Johnson. Oh, he played Jackie Robinson. That's the guy. That's he played, yeah, he played Jackie Robinson. Um, so this this does happen quite often. That the the newest it black guy. But even if he's not playing like a historical figure, mm. he's playing roles in movies that have a message. Either way. Oh, well, I like that. I think that works well. I don't. I don't really see that as the white savior thing. I think that's more seen as like, well, we got to have like a prominent black actor who can actually convey certain feelings and emotions, and Bernard like conveys that so well. Okay. I think that's why it really works. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I just mm-hmm. it kind of sometimes makes me feel a little weird, like, like I don't know him, so I can't say it for mm-hmm. sure. But it's almost like he's got a big ego or something like let me play these roles like uh, no from what i heard he, um marsha ali has been wanting to play this character for years oh, okay big screen or small screen he was trying to play and then sometimes when you when you're such a prominent actor you want to play a role that you feel connected with like if i was an actor well i couldn't play i couldn't play jack johnson because i'm not fucking six foot tall and i'm not like fully black but i would want to play like a significant like character you know a historical character that you know, I feel connected with, mm-hmm. but you know, that's not ever going to happen. Yeah. Cause you don't like acting. I don't like front of being, I don't like being in front of like a large crowd. Mm-hmm. It makes me shit myself. It does. Yeah. Wow. I feel bad for your laundry. No, oh, don't worry. You don't clean it. Well, still feel bad about it. Well, it's, I feel bad for your car on the ride home. No, I just take, I the, feel I, bad for anybody sitting in the car with you. Hold on. Hold on. I take my underwear off. Throw it in the trash can and wipe my butt. That's how I do it. <laughs> uh, okay, so do you have do you have any interest in this, Kelsey? In this HBO? No, until like how I wipe my butt. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. <laughs> we gotta we gotta step away from the poop thing because we were all poop like last week. We gotta step away from that shit. I think like almost every episode. Yeah. 
Uh, I'm really interested in this. I actually was going to, I was hoping to find out where the documentary is Mm. so I could watch that. I think it's on YouTube. Okay. I think it's on YouTube because I remember my teacher uh, sharing links to it. It might be on YouTube. Okay. But it's a really good documentary. I really want to watch that. Yeah. And this kid burns like, I've always heard about Ken Burns. He makes this really, really great documentary. He did one on like Vietnam, the Vietnam War that was like four, fucking four hours, but I heard it's like fucking amazing. Hmm. Um, so it's gonna be good. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, and now let's get into our recent review of First Cow. What's your name? King Lou. They call me Cookie. My mother died when I was born, and then my father died. I never stopped moving. It's the getting started that's the puzzle. No way for a poor man to start. You have a cow. First cow in the territory. It's ain't a place for cows. Well, it's no place for a white man either. I sense opportunity here. Good Lord, give me another. I'll give you six ingots for that last one. I taste London in this game. We have to take what we can when the taking is good. It seems dangerous. So is anything worth doing? A royal cow. Until she barely produces a thing. Some people can't imagine being stolen from. Let's hope he's one of those. We got a window here, Cookie. History isn't here yet. It's coming, but maybe this time we can take it on our own terms. The synopsis is, a skilled cook has traveled west and joined a group of fur trappers in Oregon, though he only finds true connection with a Chinese immigrant who also seeking his fortune. Soon the two collaborate on a successful business. Directed and written by Kelly Reichard, um, she did River of Grass, Old Joy, and Night Moves. Also written by Jonathan Raymond, who also did Old Joy and Night Moves. Um, it stars John Magaro, Ryan Lee, Evie, that's the cow. Um, <laughs> yeah, I saw you put that in the docket. I was like... Yeah. That, that was on IMDb. Was it really? Yeah. <laughs> that cow gets a fucking IMDb credit before me. <laughs> Shit. And Mitchell Saddleback as Chief Factor Servant. Mm, okay. Um, so Mark, mm. what did you think about this movie? I, this movie really stuck with me. I've been thinking about it since we watched it. Mm-hmm. Um, for one, the movie looks beautiful. It looks, I mean, it's, uh, the way how it's shot is kind of mesmerizing. I don't know why exactly. Maybe it's because like it doesn't feel. One, the aspect ratio is not... Uh, Your typical aspect ratio. Yeah, I think it's like six by nine. I always get my ratios wrong. But it's 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 not letterbox. It's like smashed It's almost in. like a square. Yeah, yeah. And the fact that like the whole vibe of it made it seem like you were like actually taking a look back when like the country was like first established. Where like 
during the gold because I remember it takes place during the gold rush era, mm-hmm. and you got a sense that it was like that because these people were in the woods. They had the authentic clothes, even like the the compound or campground that they had mm-hmm. was like of that era, right? So yeah. it kind of felt like I was like just witnessing a part of time, you know. And it, it, I didn't feel like it's weird. I didn't feel like I was like watching a movie. Mm-hmm. I feel like I was just like watching a window of like, oh, this is what happened. But the one thing I really like so much about it is like it's a movie about a cook, mm-hmm. and like this era. Like normally we get like a cook story that's like a period piece, like in the military, in the military, current times, Ratatouille and shit like that. You know, like like that. But like taking place in this time and how like a cow essentially like changes the lives of uh, the character Cookie and King Lou. I was just like, yo, this is like something really different. It's like. It's something that we've seen, but never in this setting. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what like really caught me with it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for me, um, it was it wasn't that it was mesmerizing so much as it was like calm. It had a calming effect. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Like, when you're playing Minecraft and you're mm-hmm. mining. Yeah. And it's like you're it's like repetitive. Yeah. But it's not really boring you're yeah. just like relaxed yeah exactly like you're going through all these little motions of mm-hmm. like and you see them you know making different things like you know it's not giving anything away but like slippers or yeah you know different things like that and th- they're men and they don't think twice about it they just do whatever they need to do mm-hmm. to make themselves comfortable yeah even like the fact that like this is essentially like a movie these two guys go- i mean it's it's a cook but like it leads into like um, these two guys who essentially want to start a business that has never been done before. And it's just like, like how it is currently, you know, like you have a business idea, you run with it and you see how successful, um, it can, how much success it can bring you. And then in some cases, how it can destroy it, which this movie kind of does too, which is really interesting. It doesn't do in a crazy, like boom, bam kind of way where it's like, Oh, they're embezzling money. They're getting into drugs. No, it's just like, no, they're trying they want to be successful, but it's gonna cost them something mm-hmm. in a very subtle but like poignant way. Yeah. I even like how how the movie started, that it was current and then I'm not gonna say what is found but until we get into the spoilers, but it's current and then something from history is found, and then we're just like, boom, let's find out how this thing got here. Yeah. And I was just like, I don't it was so weird. I I, I this is a movie that's like should be boring as fuck. Mm-hmm. Cause there's like not a whole lot of dialogue. Oh, and, that the opening scene. Uh huh. With the boat. <laughs> all right, this is this is no way a spoiler at all. It's it, it's <laughs> no way a spoiler. But Kelsey, please please get into. It. My first impression of the movie is it shows you this boat, and it's like not a ferry, but it's, it's almost a, like a, a it's a freight uh, freight ship or something like yeah. that. Right? Yeah. And it's off screen and it comes on screen mm-hmm. and then it's fully on your screen uh-huh. and then it gets to the quarter way across your screen uh-huh. and it gets halfway across your screen uh-huh. then it gets two thirds of the way across your screen and then they go to the next scene. Yeah, exactly. Like, right. like they either should have waited for the ship to go off the screen to mm-hmm. come full circle yeah. or like, cool, there's a ship. All right. A couple of seconds on, like five seconds. Yeah. On like an establishing shot or something like yeah, that. Yeah. And then move on. But they, and honestly, I feel like that's a very good, um, 
like i almost feel like i know why they did it Mm -hmm. and it's not to be like intentionally boring because honestly Mm -hmm. that scene was so boring to be in like a beginning shot i was laughing Mm -hmm. um but the whole movie is kind of like that where they're just kind of showing something just moving along yeah because like they're sitting there and they're they're doing something but they're not talking and and that's like mesmerizing to you Mm, right like that's the thing that you liked yeah um and that's what you said should be boring about it yeah but um i don't have your um your feeling towards it the boat scene no the whole taking longer like the boat scene did Mm. Because you thought it should be boring, even though it wasn't, yeah. and I thought that it kind of was at times. And boring? Oh, like the movie in general? Yeah, because of mm. that. Because of that. Because of the boat? Oh, oh no, not just because be- of the boat. Oh, okay, but because gotcha. of scenes like that. Gotcha, gotcha. Where gotcha, like okay. sometimes it was like mm. seeing into a window, or yeah. like you're kind of spending time with them. Like I liked when they were having conversation. Yeah. Because their conversation was weird. Yeah, between Cookie and and King Lou. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Their, their conversation was weird mm. because it wasn't of our time. Yeah. But it's but because it was weird, I wanted to listen to them more. Yeah, yeah. Like, you're getting kind of like, you're getting backstory, but like, backstory that's like relatable, but that you shouldn't be so relatable because of the time setting. Right. And like, that, who cares about beaver oil? Oh, yeah. I was like, I was like, why is he? Oh, you know what? I think there's a, there's no spoiler. But I think the reason for that beaver oil was just to kind of show how King Lou is always like coming up with like yeah. all these ideas. And I thought that was really good. It, I did too. Yeah. So my point is the conversation was cool, but mm. there were other times where you would see them like in in town or whatever. Mm. And it was just like. Like them walking. Like or- you're just sitting there. Like I felt like, have you ever sold anything at a flea market or like a swap meet? Type? Yeah. Mm. And you just feel like you're sitting there all day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes watching this movie felt like that. Oh, okay. I got you. You know, like, yeah, you're kind of people watching. Mm. But at the same time, can I please just go over to a friend's house? You know, like, I don't <laughs> yeah. want to be here anymore. No, I get you. I get you. I get you. Yeah. I get you. Um, yeah, there were... I'm trying to think of any parts that were really boring to me. Um, or if I can say... I mean, I can, I can, I can say... I can see why you would say that some of it was boring because you're just like, why are we still here? Or why is this kind of going long, longer than it should? Like, there's a part where, um, like, there's a part where a character, like, gets a new pair of boots and he's, like, walking and then someone makes a comment. Oh, no. One part, he, like, he walks, somebody looks at the comment, someone looks at the boots and then we see him walk further with the boots and someone makes a comment and then he does something with the boots. That scene where, where he just walks and someone just looks at it, they could have, like, cut that. Like, there are certain stuff like that where it's just like, oh, right, you could probably have trimmed that. But I, f- I always found those, like, for some reason, I always found those little parts very fascinating. Cause that that part made me uncomfortable because I thought something was going to happen mm. to him because people were, like, suspicious or whatever. I think that was the intention right there. Yeah, and so that part I didn't really find boring. Mm. But also, that wasn't particularly important to the story at all. Yeah. yeah. In any way, shape, or form. I, that's the thing. I don't think, I don't think that it... I don't think it, that it wasn't important. I think it kind of gave you more of an idea of what was what, what was going on in that time. That someone could easily, easily make a purchase like that. And then you're walking not even like 30 feet and someone's like, that looks wrong. Like that look, that's a very suspicious thing. Yeah. So maybe that was like the point of, 
I'm not saying you're wrong, but I, I think that was like the point of what the director was trying to get yeah. into with the story. And I, I think I think that's why I was getting so invested in this movie that I should have not gotten invested in. Yeah. Um, that kind of brings me to another thought, but I'm going to have to wait until we get to... The spoilers? Yeah. Okay. Before we go into spoilers, um, do you have any thoughts on any of the performance that you want to share that's not spoiler filled? Cookie was... Mm. I liked him. Mm-hmm. I liked him a lot because he... Uh, first of all, the music that they were playing when you first meet him was very kind of like whimsical and happy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I liked that and it kind of sets him up perfectly because he's kind of an innocent adult. Yeah. Um, which I thought was really weird. Okay. Because like most, most guys from that time, they were kind of rough mm-hmm. and like, yeah, we met. We there's a couple people that were rough, like mm-hmm. with it. There's like that one dude who was just like, I can't wait until we're done with this trip and you get your money, get out of the camera, like pretty much I'm gonna fucking kill you. We're <laughs> just like, why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, but I liked his performance, uh, and I thought him and Orion Lee, mm. um, who played Kung Lu, um, I thought they had great chemistry. Absolutely. Like that guy. Orion Lee was his performance. Like he was very thoughtful and mm. like, I don't know, like they were just really great together. Like I loved their friendship. Yeah. I like, I really enjoyed how the, how, how they portrayed. I really like how they portray King Lou as like a person who's just trying to survive. They didn't make him like super duper oriental like stereotype. Yeah, st- yeah exactly. Um, he knew English really well, mm-hmm. and um, he, he he wasn't like a con artist. Like mm-hmm. either you're you're royalty, like in in Asian films, you're either royalty mm-hmm. or you're a villain. Yeah, or you're just like the guy who who can count the books or he can do math very well. Like it's always like some stupid stereotype like that, but mm-hmm. like. I like I I don't know I I don't know the thought process of the writing if like it was always I mean well this movie's based off of a book so I don't know if in the book that character is supposed is always Asian or maybe they were like let's just get let's just get the best performance let's get the best actor as this role and it's still having to be an Asian guy like I don't know the full gist of it or anything mm-hmm. but the way how they did that role if you could have put anybody in there. Um, because they didn't focus on the stereotyping. They didn't like his his where where he came from wasn't like a huge factor into the story. No, it had kind of like allowed allowed us to kind of watch these characters really interact in their chemistry to like mix well. Yeah, um, that and um, I I imagine that their budget wasn't very big. Yeah, it's an indie as fuck movie. <laughs> yeah, so um, I really liked the cinematography in that case and mm. also like the music that kind of went along with it very folk indie yeah. type music exactly <laughs> uh okay so you want to have in the spoilers get yeah. a bit more detail okay um if you folks have not seen first cow you don't want to be spoiled um we're gonna go ahead and give you guys a spoiler bumper but people who have seen it you know we're just gonna welcome you into the boy spoiler bumper let's go get a seat over there on the couch no, 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 on that side, on that side. There's there's a stain there. Okay, cool. Yeah, sit over there. Kind of relax. Be careful of the cat. Yeah, be careful of the cat. There's a lot of cat hair we haven't cleaned up. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Or do apology. But in the meantime, here's a glass of water, and here's a spoiler bumper right about now. 
Hi. Hi. Um, so my thought. <clears throat> no, I don't remember what it was because I had to wait. Uh, the whimsical music? No, it didn't have anything to do with the music. Was it on Cookie? On His Innocence? It did have to do with Cookie, but I don't remember what. Okay. Um, okay, so I'll jump in on my take on Cookie. Uh, oh, you had said that, like, how he's not rough. Yeah, but it was uh, before that when I was talking about him. Okay. Okay, so I'll jump into I'll jump into uh, what my thoughts are on uh, the Cookie character. Um, yeah, he was a very innocent player in all of this. I remember. Okay, please. <laughs> please, please, no, please, please. Okay. I, I, I hear her in my own voice. <laughs> there was, um, when they were talking about becoming bakers. Okay. Okay. Him and um, Kung Lee. Is it, Kung, is it Kung Lu? Is it Kung Lu or King Lu? Uh, King Lu. Okay. Um, he, they were talking about becoming bakers, mm. and um, Cookie said how dangerous it was. Mm. And I thought that was really interesting, because we're talking about all the weird, like the little weird nuances of that time. Yeah. And it didn't immediately cross my mind why that would be dangerous. Mm-hmm. They, he just said it was dangerous, and I was like, "It's a really weird thing to be dangerous that you're gonna bake for people and mm-hmm. sell it." I think it was the milk thing that was. I know, um, but it was still kind of like. Oh, like why is it so dangerous? Like they almost placed more stakes on it than, mm. and they were they kept repeating like, "Oh, we need to make this much more, and we could open up a bigger hotel for you, or get like a bigger orchard for me." Yeah. Um, because one of uh, because King Lou wanted to open up like uh, an orchard. Yeah, he, he slowly to... named off all the nuts in the world, <laughs> and <laughs> and Cookie wanted to actually own a hotel. Yeah, in San Francisco, I think it was. I thought it was. The other way. I thought it was the other way around. No. Oh, okay. And um, they would like set these little markers of we need this much money, and mm. every time we they reached it, Cookie would be like. Okay, we're good. Yeah, and they kept. And going. then King Lou would be like, "No, but if we do this, yeah. you could get a bigger hotel because you can't compete with the ones that are already there." Yeah, like he was making excuses for them just to keep going, even though they would always reach their mark. Which I, that's that's such a, an American thing. It is an American thing, but it also is very biblical or like a fable. Really? Okay. If you think about it, because it's like one of those, like this whole movie is like a fable. Mm. Like it's a story of like the rabbit and the hare, mm. you know, or like, and and so the, um, the moral of the story is don't be too greedy. Yeah. Because they're going to lose everything. Yeah. And that greediness like catch up, catch up to them. Um, and a, and a, like what you and I would see, not in a big way, but what they would see is a huge fucking way. Mm-hmm. Like it, it sucks because uh, they were good people, yeah. right? It wasn't like they were like maliciously greedy. Yeah. Um, and kind of uh, Chief Factor Servant, he kind of deserved it because he was like the fat hog, you know? Like he was the guy who had all the money and kind of ran the show, but he was, I think he was kind of corrupt. Mm. Um, and they were just trying to make money to get away, but like they didn't know when to stop. Yeah. And, and if, if you think about it, like what 
their cause was like I know they were, they were trying to get as much money as they can to business to build a business and stuff like that, but their cause was a bit more noble than mm-hmm. than um what's his name? The what's the chief what was the guy's name? Chief Factor Savant. Yeah, Chief Factor Savant. Um because Chief Factor Savant had this cow for the milk. And it seems like he would only keep that for himself. Right, because he wanted cream. Yeah, oh, yeah, exactly, because he wanted cream. But, like, what Cookie and King Lou did was, like, they did this bakery, and they are baking, like, these biscuits and stuff like that. And even though, like, they made money, they were still, like, giving people, like, this delicious treat. Like, lines would, would go, like, I don't know, like, 15, 20 people deep or some shit like that. Yeah. And they're, like, they're, they're giving a service to the people who actually really wanted this. And this, that, the fact that this should be shared with everybody. Even the Chief Factor Servant was, like, holy crap, this reminds me of London. Uh, yeah, right? And, um... It sucks because when they finally are found out, I mean, obviously, they're making stuff to bake. Mm. The only person who had a cow was him, but he never put two and two together until the end when they got chased away. Yeah, and it shows how it shows it, it gives you it also can tell you, like, people who have all this money, they are still not the, they still are not the brightest people mm-hmm. out there. They They can claim to be, but obviously what was going on with this cow was like. The shit was being done right underneath his nose. Yeah, um, even uh, King Lou was like, I think he said something like, there are some people who just can't fathom the idea of being stolen from. Exactly, exactly. Um, so I, 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 I want to go into Cookie's innocence and how he's, you know, well, actually not his innocence, the chemistry between the two. Um, how, how I really like the part how they, are, they first meet. Mm-hmm. how King Lou is essentially trying to run from these Russians. We don't get a full story of what happened, but we know that he was in captive at some point. Um, well, I think that he did say what happened. Well, no, no. He, so he said how he, like, essentially how he got away and that he had shot uh, somebody who, was, who had killed his friend. Mm-hmm. But we didn't get the full story of, like, well, were they camping and they got jumped or were they in cages and oh, they got yeah. out like that? But we know that like this dude, he doesn't nec- he comes up as a guy who would do anything to survive, but he would only do it to the people that would deserve it. Like if his life is in danger, he's going to take off. Yeah. You know, and there are a couple of times where I thought after like the whole thing was blowing up where Cookie and King got found out. And when king goes back to like the house that's in the woods and goes and get the money there were a couple of times i thought like oh well, king's gonna like fucking take off mm-hmm. but he never he like he came back for cookie yeah and i was just like yo that's a bond that's some friendship yeah, shit right there exactly um i really like that too then mm. I mean, there were different times where i was like oh they're gonna get caught yeah or oh he's just you know like Maybe he is a bad guy. Yeah, one's going to betray the other at some point. Right. Mm. Um, not. No, I didn't think it was going to be Cookie. I definitely thought it was going to be King Lou because of how he was found. He was mm. naked in the woods. Yeah. And, like, then you see him swimming across the lake naked. <laughs> That's how he's getting away. There's like two scenes where he gets away through swimming or through the water. Yeah. Um. But I think that their friend, even even towards the end when cookie they're trying to get away like their final stretch yeah and cookie um he got shot or something he hit his head when he was running through the woods at night he rolled down and he hit his head and it took away his stamina for running later though yeah um and 
even then Kung, uh, King Lu is holding, like carrying him part of the way. Yeah. Um, and it kind of buttons up how they died. Yeah, because um, because at the be- um, yeah, because like I I I knew that was gonna happen because you know when we see the skeletal remains, we we just find these skeletal remains. Um, but I really like the fact that the director didn't necessarily have to walk hold your hand to explain these are these two people. Yeah, you know we see the skeletal remains and then boom. We're like in the past, mm-hmm. and it kind of like allows the audience to kind of like, all right, let me put two and two together because this movie in no way makes this movie in no way makes the made me or I, I hope any of the viewers who saw this movie it doesn't make them feel stupid. Mm-hmm. It makes it feel like you guys can figure this out. You're smart. Yeah, and people like that. They like to think they're smart, <laughs> even when they're not. <laughs> you know, that's kind of what the movie is about. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but like, yeah, that. <laughs> That ended, it kind of broke my heart. <laughs> it did, because he's like, oh, this is a good spot that you chose to lay down. Yeah, to rest. Um, and he said, I'll keep first watch. Yeah. And because obviously Cookie was like exhausted and he fell asleep. So he's like, okay. And then like a few moments later, he lays the money bag down and he sleeps too. And then that's it. Yeah, it cuts the black. And the... um. <sighs> Damn, it sucks that they went out like that. <laughs> but like, yeah, it's like they were so determined to like get this American dream going and everything and search and like have this own business. It like in a way, it like it, you know, like how you said that um they had set they had set a point where they're gonna stop and they kept raising that bar. And then they get to the they that constantly raising the bar just constantly like raise the stakes. Mm. And um it just sucks that, like, that's how they went. It sucks that everything that they wanted to achieve was cut so short. Mm-hmm. And they still had so much time to, like, to go with their plans. Exactly. It's so sad. It's sad. <laughs> and that stupid fucking teenager. I I honestly thought, I honestly thought the teenager was going to, like, let, let him get go. away. Yeah, or something like that. But as soon as, like, I saw that teenager there, I started thinking, the skeleton remains, like, Oh, he's laying down. Yeah, this is where they're gonna die. Yep. <laughs> but I but I like the fact that we didn't see it. Yeah, me too. The director's just like, y'all know what happened. Exactly. They obviously died. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. I do think the best performance of the entire movie is was done Evie. by was done by Evie. Greatest mm-hmm. performance ever. <laughs> That's the prettiest cow I've ever seen. I think the prettiest cow I've ever seen was from uh, Top Secret. The one with the boots. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you had to think about you like, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Oh, so one thing. There we go. Now, I, one thing I remember to talk about was Cookie's Innocence. <laughs> you keep saying that. I know. I know. Because I keep like, I keep, I keep leaving the subject. But all right, let's talk about the subject. All right. This dude is so innocent and so sweet that he even felt bad. To milk the cow. Yeah. He was talking to the cow like, yeah. I'm sorry about your husband. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I heard what happened. That part, I was just like. And your baby, too. I'm I, sorry about your baby. Yeah. And I was just like, man, I want this I want this guy to cook for me. Can he bake something for me? <laughs> um, but I wonder if you I wonder if you notice how people's the people's clothing were. Um, whenever they showed anybody on the camp, 
they were kind of wearing like in these these uh, mute tones, like darker gray or black or something. They were like almost that. muddy. Yeah, but his was like his was like brown and like like it kind of meshed well with the woods. Like if it was, he was part of like the beautiful type of nature that we were with, with uh, witnessing. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was like a really good, interesting fact that like this guy because you when you see nature you never think of like anger you never mm-hmm. you never scream at a tree and be like fuck you tree yeah Unless it like falls on your car or something like that <laughs> but like you're it's always seen as peaceful which kind of reflects the cookie character we've never saw him like we never saw him lose his temper he couldn't even hunt when you meet him in the beginning and mm-hmm. he's with that group they're really awful to him yeah and like they're they're always fighting with each other like wrestling like they're fucking teenage brothers or some shit mm-hmm. And they, they would tell him, I'm hungry, Cookie. Like, you're responsible for going out and finding us something to eat. Mm. But he's not a hunter. Yeah. So he'll, like, forage for, like, mushrooms and nuts and berries and different things. Yeah. And they're, like, always really hungry until, like, there's fish. Yeah. You can make fish. Oh, he was so excited to get that fish. He was. Um, so I thought it was interesting, too, because he's so innocent. The guy doesn't even want to, like hunt he's like mm. i almost got a squirrel but it got away yeah and every time he ever did get like some type of animal it was because like a, of a trap or somebody gave him the animal to cook yeah um and i think even king king lou mm. he um he had actually shown him how he was like picking up all the squirrels that he had trapped yeah so like um it wasn't that he wasn't innovative or whatever i mean maybe he wasn't I think he was probably smart enough. He just didn't have the ambition. Mm. And so it ended up being that King Lou was the ambition and Cookie was the um was like, like the, the heart and the the soul of it, I guess. Yeah, and he was the one who was able to like put the plan into action and stuff yeah. like that. Like was without Cookie there wasn't I mean they couldn't bake or anything like that and Lou King Lou would just have to try to come up with like some other idea or something like that. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean, all in all, I like I said, I, I really like the film. Um, pro- most likely, I'm gonna like rewatch it in the next couple of days because something about it like really sticks with me. There's like the peaceful nature of it. I, I just I'm just really digging on. Oh, I made the comment that it kind of make, and there are certain parts that make me feel mm. like when I was growing up, when I was like our younger daughter's age. Like, mm. well, you only have one daughter, but my younger daughter. Yeah. Um. I would. I was always in the woods. Mm-hmm. Like always, because at that time I was living with my dad and my stepmom, mm. and it the it's a condominium, but it's um like a plot of land that's surrounded by the woods, mm-hmm. and there's all there are like all kinds of trails and stuff, and I would just there was like some random stone wall in the woods that was like mm. you know like really old, yeah. And I would just sit there and like listen and watch the leaves like. Okay. for like a long time so you're saying that this movie kind of like remind you of that feeling oh, okay yeah. um so and i like that but i mm. definitely couldn't watch it again i think i would watch it again i, I don't know something about it. like even as i'm thinking about it, i'm just like man this shit's so fucking peaceful like i'm not a, like i'm not a <laughs> like no lie i'm not a woods person i don't like the idea of camping i mean i'm a city boy and everything but a couple of shots when he's like walking through the woods i was like oh i can totally like but that's that. what camping is about like you you're in the woods for the night not by yourself Mm. but like with someone else and like you're cooking like Mm. on a grill you go find a place to go hiking like it's Mm. peaceful sometimes there's places to go swimming for a little bit i'm always worried about that 
Why? Like swimming in the lake. Because that's when you like amoebas and like. That's usually more like Florida and Alabama and like. You. Yeah. Like running water, yeah. Like a steady stream or something like that. That'd be, and I'd they totally test. You're, they're supposed to test the water too, like on oh. a regular basis, so that where you end up getting that kind of stuff is mm. usually in like the rivers, and like the little swimming holes that aren't regulated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've heard horror stories about shit crawling on people's dicks or stuff like yeah. that. And a, and a table yeah, like, growing. don't pee in the river. They'll swim upstream. <laughs> <laughs> Gross. <laughs> uh, okay, so all in all, what, what did you think about the movie? Uh, I'm on the fence about it. Okay. I liked the craftsmanship of it mm-hmm. and the characters and the actors. Mm, okay. Um. But I wasn't totally on board with how long and drawn out every single scene was. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, yeah, my take is I um, same thing Kelsey said. I like the craft, the craftsmanship of it, the acting, the performance. Uh, you know, it's just, like artistry. Yeah, like it. It looked really amazing. Um, I, I liked it. I thought. I'm not going to lie, for like, I think for the first five or ten minutes, I was like, oh man, this movie is going to be really boring. But after that, I was totally hooked. And like I said earlier, like I'll most likely watch this movie again. I wonder if the, um, the, you could remember this movie and like, <laughs> since it has that calming effect on you, if you <laughs> ever feel really anxious. Oh, I wonder if this thing, like this movie, you could watch it and it would like help you. I, no lie, while we were talking about it, and I was commenting about how it looked and everything, I was thinking of like, Oh, this is something I picture in my head whenever, like, I meditate. Yeah. Like, a common kind of, like, soothing sound of, like, the the water, like, the river going down and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I liked it. Kelsey, you said you're still on the fence about it? Mm-hmm. All right. Because I liked aspects of it. It just mm. wasn't, didn't quite work for me. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Anything else? Are we good? No, we need to go on to our next segment we're excited uh, about. Yeah, we're going to go on to our next segment. What's our next segment? Variety time. Cows and dreams. <laughs> Let's go ahead and start that over again. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Kelsey. All right. I'm leaving it in. Fuck it. <laughs> Take two. What's our, second, what's our next segment? <laughs> Variety time. Cows and dreams. So yeah, I put the title in there mm. of Variety Time, mm. and I put Kelsey's cow story before you change it to Cows and Dreams. Okay. And then, also, I saw Mark is excited. I was. I still am, but we decided to add a little bit more to this Variety Time because this was going to be like the Kelsey show, which it still is. Because Kelsey's got a really interesting cow story that. I think we should leave it for last. The cow story? No, 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 no. Because mine is stupid. Mine that's, is. That's g- why. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Bring the stupid up first. Yeah, you gotta leave it on a strong note. Okay. All right. All right. We'll do that. Well, it better be amazing. Better be amazing. Okay. So, well, this is the dream part of the cows and dreams of variety time. <laughs> okay. So I have like these really, really weird, intense dreams, and a lot of times they don't make sense at all. They're just jumbled up shit. There are sometimes the, the things that factors into my dream is like stuff I've been thinking out throughout the day or throughout the week or something I saw. Like it'll just go, it'll just jump in there. No rhyme or reason. It'll just pop in there. Mm-hmm. Whatever. So um, it wasn't last night. I think it was a couple of nights ago. I had this really 
really intense dream. And in the dream, um, <laughs> in the dream, I had lost my tooth, but it was like a baby tooth, but it was like a sharp baby tooth, like mm-hmm. a really pointy one, right? Mm-hmm. And it like fell out and I picked up the tooth and I was like, what the fuck? You know, and I went like crazy and I went into like this tangent or this rant about how you should be able to keep um, certain body parts or certain assets of your body, like your tooth or your hair or your, you know, stuff that like normally falls off in our everyday lives. Dead skin, fall, hair follicles. As we get older, we lose our baby teeth. And I, and I, I wrote this shit down in the dream, right? I was going to town because I was so passionate about it, right? <laughs> and then I woke up and I was like, what the fuck was that, right? However, the speech still stayed in my head. It was just g- replaying over and over and over, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this is the speech. I'm gonna read. I'm gonna read to you, listeners, what this speech, how the, the madness of this shit happened. Okay. So the speech goes as such: Hello, everyone. You walking skeletons. You thinking meat bags. I'd like to share some knowledge with you. When you, when we are conceived and grown, our flesh is a jumbled mess of nerves, muscles bones, organs, and thoughts. We come out of the womb with a preconceived notion that our body will will grow a certain way. Some parts of our body will extend to its limit and in some cases fall off. Dead skin, hair, nails, and even teeth. Yes, teeth. Many grow through the process of growing those growing their teeth in two sets over the span of their life cycle. One set baby, second adult. <laughs> Keep going. Well, I'm here to tell you conscious piles of future roadkill that you can keep both both sets of teeth and have the power to eat whatever you want. With full concentration and the power of your mind, you too can keep your baby teeth and adult teeth to your body. This means that the human body is limitless on what it can keep. Maybe you want to keep your nails long enough to poke your coworker on the shoulder from across the room. You can keep every strand of hair growing on your head, growing on your head to look like cousin it from the Adams family. Never have to sweep up that loose hair. You can hide behind your locks whenever you don't want to be seen and always look stylish as fuck in your private own hair hut. <laughs> always cold, never again. Focus your energy, bringing in your skin back to life and build layers upon layers of flesh so you may always be warm when the weather drops. The possibilities are endless. How do I know that all of this can be possible? Well, folks, it's because it happened in my dream (laughs) and I had none of now I have rows of rows of teeth and have become the land shark that I've always wanted to be. Read my book. Your flesh is yours to do whatever the hell you want today and discover the power that dwells inside of you. (laughs) (laughs) I swear to God, you you brought that up and I honestly thought that you were thinking about teeth falling out because I showed you my kitten's double fangs. I think that's it. I think that had to do with it too. Because he's teething, so of course... They grow a second set of fangs, and the other ones didn't fall out yet. <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I think that had something to do with it as well. But yeah, the, this is the speech that was in my dream, and when I get the fuck out of my head for hours, and I was like, "Fuck it, let me write this down and get it out." <laughs> it's gonna lead, show you the madness that dwells inside me. I almost kind of want to tell you the really weird dream I had last year. You want to say? Do we it? have time? Um. Well, let's. Do you want to do your? Is, is it longer? It's not that long. All right. Let it rip. I had a dream that Mm -hmm. I came home from prison 
I lived in this really huge house. Okay. I don't even know what I was in prison for, but I lived in this really big house. Mm-hmm. It was an old house. It kind of wasn't really updated or anything. Mm-hmm. And we had like lots of mature trees on, on the street. And John Bernthal was there. Okay. Um, apparently because he had to live there mm-hmm. because he had been in prison too. I guess he was on parole. And he was trying to get me to do this scheme with him. Okay. So I'm like walking down the hallway, like trying to like... Like, whatever, whatever. He keeps talking, and I'm just walking, because I'm like, shut the fuck up. Uh And I get outside, and I get angry, Uh because, you know, my mom had been taking care of my kids. Okay. And my two daughters are outside. Apparently, while I was in prison, Mm -hmm. there had been a new trend. Okay. It was a cool thing to do for kids to get one of their legs amputated, even if it was good. Oh, my God. Okay. Even if it was a good leg. Okay, right? like the tie pod trend. Uh, yeah, tie yeah, pod trend. Yeah, okay. exactly. So my mom actually allowed them to get one of their legs amputated, and they were outside trying to ride their scooters <laughs> with one leg. And Cadence <laughs> kept trying to get her scooter up over the curb and kept falling down. And I was like, I fucking hate you, Mom. Why did you let my kids do this? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> that was my dream. Oh, my God. <laughs> Okay, what's your, what's what's your cow story? What's your cow story? I want to hear. I you said you told me this story before, but I I don't remember it at all. Okay, so one night, um, so in the same trailer in the same trailer park where I got robbed by books. <laughs> As in last week's show, y'all should like really listen to it if you guys did. That shit was so hilarious. Um, it was the same room, you know, but the. By the time this story happened that I'm about to tell you, I wasn't sleeping on a cot anymore. Okay. I was actually sleeping, like, on a bunk bed. Uh, Upgrade it. Yeah, I was on the bottom bunk. Mm. um, And we were at, like, the front of the trailer. Usually there's, like, a lip. Mm. Um, You know, like, the windows are kind of rounded out. Yeah. um, And there's, like, a little lip. And so, anyways, I had this really weird dream. Mm. And, like, in my dream... I could see, like, red and blue lights kind of flashing. Okay. And it wasn't particularly scary to me because I lived in a trailer park, Mm -hmm. and it's exactly like you would expect a trailer park to be. Yeah. So we had a couple of drunks, and people were always arguing or whatever, so the cops would get called out every once in a while. Mm. So, of course, I'm like, okay, I see the cops, and... So I, like, I see the lights and I wanted to look through the blinds. So I look through the blinds Mm. and there's a cow. Okay. In my front yard. And there's like these, like the cop, there's cop cruisers. They're all just kind of standing around Mm -hmm. and this random cow is just standing there. I'm like, Okay. I don't know what's going on. So mm-hmm. I, like, in, you know, in my dream, I laid back down and went back to sleep because I'm like, fuck this shit. <laughs> okay. Um, Like, it really made me uncomfortable. I was like, why am I dreaming this? It's fucking weird. Okay. So I woke up the next day. Uh huh. And when I went outside, uh-huh. there was a huge pile of cow shit in the middle of <laughs> our walkway uh-huh. um 
And then I realized I wasn't dreaming. That actually <laughs> happened. <laughs> there really was a cow in my, fr- like, right outside my window. And a bunch of cop cruisers and cops just standing around. Were these cops, were they, were they chasing after the cow because he committed a murder? Hey, Mark. Yes, you deserve yourself a high five. All right. No, you deserve... This will be our last episode. (laughs) Man, that's such a dad joke, but I love it. Love it. But yeah, that was... uh... <laughs> it was really weird. So, did you ever find out like why there was a cow? <laughs> we lived near cow fields. Oh, so they. <laughs> so it, a cow must have got out or something. Yeah. But I had never, like, seen one mm-hmm. outside of where they were supposed to be. Yeah. So my in my dream, I was like, "You thought you, you, I was like, oh, it's a fucking cow in my yard? Yeah. Okay, whatever." So then you at least have the co- the courtesy to be like, "Hey, let's just clean up this cow shit that's in front. This is." Let's just be nice about it. No, no. And you know what? What? No one in my, in my household wanted to pick it up. How big was it? Um, I would say about the size of like a small dinner plate. Oh, <laughs> one scoop with a shovel. And that's it. Yeah, but it stayed there for months and months. And oh, months. my God. <laughs> like we had like a gravel pathway uh-huh. that was lined by like wood planks. Uh-huh. And we would always walk up on the wood planks to get around it uh, to finish walking up the, the walkway. So the cow shit just was just there for months. Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? I mean, it's not like it smelled. But it's it was, like, it was old, it's, crusty cow shit. But you like step on it and bring it inside the trailer and shit and get like cow shit. Oh, no, no one ever did. They had, but see, that's the thing. They had the conscious thought to avoid the cow shit, but not the conscious thought like, let's just go ahead and clean this up. Exactly. My God. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah. So that's my cow story. That's your cow story? Yeah. I can't wait. I don't know if I actually said it on the show or not, but I mm. hope there's a, a time where I can talk about the pig story. No, you haven't talked about the pig story. Okay. I know I've told you it, but I don't know if I've said it. On the podcast. No, 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 you didn't say it. Okay. I have yeah. a pig story. It's wild. <laughs> I, I, I know you haven't said it because I because I remember there have been several times where I was like, Yeah, we should talk about this like on the podcast eventually. Yeah. We haven't done it. But yeah, well I'm sure we'll we'll get to that pig story someday. Hopefully soon. <laughs> okay. Um Was it everything you dreamed it would be? The cow? The cow, the cow story? story? I'm more conflict I'm like I, I I I would I would probably be in the same mindset and be like, oh, this is a dream, a cow and like blue and red lights. Okay, I must be, I must have been really fucked up or something. Yeah, like, you might. Yeah, because like, I would have to say exact same mindset as you with that. Like but, you it kind of made me uncomfortable. Like what the fuck? Yeah, but like the whole like cow poop not cleaning, not cleaning the cow poop. Like come on, don't be that lazy. <laughs> <laughs> come on, you know who? Mm-hmm. You know who? My- yeah, I know yeah. your family. Is. Yeah. 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 All right. Is uh, are we done talking about cow poop? <laughs> cow poop, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, let's move on to our geriatric cinematic. Okay. So, what do you call yourself? Huh? Como se llama? Antonio Montana. And you? What you call yourself? Where'd you learn to speak the English, Tony? Uh, in a school. 
And my father, he was uh, from the United States. Yeah, just like you, you know. He was a Yankee. Uh, he used to take me a lot to the movies, you know. I learned. I watched the guys like uh, Humphrey Bogart, James Cagney. They, they teach me to talk. I like those guys. I always know one day I'm coming here, United States. Face. It came out in 1983, and the synopsis is, in 1980 Miami, a determined Cuban immigrant takes over a drug cartel and succumbs to greed. Directed by Brian De Palma, he did Carrie, The Untouchables, and Mission Impossible. It's written by Oliver Stone, who did Conan the Barbarian, Born on the Fourth of July, and Any Given Sunday. Um, it's cat the... The cast is <laughs> Al Pacino, Stephen Bauer, Michelle Pfeiffer, Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio. Mastrantonio. Uh, thank you. <laughs> but that was not better. Yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Robert Logia and Miriam Colon. <clears throat> Kelsey. Hmm. What did you think about this movie? was good as it should be but here's the thing i Mm. also thought this movie had a lot in it that was not necessary Mm, it had a lot it had a lot of him sitting around yeah because he thinks a lot because he's tore matana i know that doesn't answer your question but yeah i didn't have a question i mean you're you're concerned (laughs) (laughs) like he like Scenes where he had to really speak, mm-hmm. cool, but, like, sometimes he'd just be sitting there, and you're like, okay, like, you almost felt like you were sitting in someone's living room, or, like, mm. I don't know. There's a scene where he's in the bathtub. Yeah. You know, and they're, like, arguing, mm-hmm. like, that's not super necessary, or, like, when he's in the club before it gets shot up. Mm-hmm. I don't know, like, I don't, I'm not sure if it's those scenes particularly or what, but it's like, they they drew out the story, and they could have done it in a different way, I feel like, mm-hmm. a little bit. Like, they could have cut some time off of it? Yeah. Yeah, I think, <clears throat> I think that, that kind of actually goes to, um, um, that goes into how um, this, this because there, there are two versions that, well, I think there's three versions of the film. One is the heavily edited version, which is fucking hilarious. Um, but I remember this version that we saw was like almost three hours long. And mm-hmm. I think the original was maybe like two hours and like 18 minutes or something like that. Right. So this version is more of like the Brian De Palma definitive version. Um, granted, I will agree with you that some of the movie could have been cut. Um, there are a bit more 
scenes that kind of really pans out longer than it should have. Um, and it would have made the, the, I remember the original version being tighter. Um, however, I, I, that doesn't take away for me. It doesn't take away about like how, um, I think how phenomenal this movie still is. Mm-hmm. I've seen this movie like a thousand times, long version, edited version, and like theatrical cut version. And I think it still works. I think every version works, especially the edited version. I, I, I don't know if they, I don't know if you can actually find a copy of the edited version, but it's so funny how many times they have to edit the word fuck <laughs> because like fuck is said. I think I think it was two hundred three times or maybe two hundred fifty seven. I know, and even Michelle Pfeiffer says fuck like several times. Yeah, but she's also like, do you have to say that word all the time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like how like they would they don't say fuck, they say like freaking or like damn or damn it or something like yeah. that. And it's it's like. You know, Tony Montana with this fucking like that, right? But then the edit version is like, I'm Tony Montana with this freaking, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, there are, I, I, I think that kind of like, maybe like a couple of minutes could have been cut for like the, the later half of the movie. Mm-hmm. Because leading up to like when Tony starts building his empire, mm-hmm. when he takes it from Frank, it's actually really interesting. Yeah, because you're you're seeing how he operates as a person and yeah. like how quickly he can turn a situation to his benefit, even yeah, exactly. if it doesn't look like it's gonna go his way. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I yeah I agree with you. I think sometimes it's necessary, mm-hmm. but not always. Yeah, and then like it's it's funny because like we get to that part where they do the montage, the push it to the limit montage, <laughs> which is like tsunami, that song is like synonymous with Scarface. You know, and that girl dancing in her seat. Oh, that girl was going to town on that shit. She was really <laughs> trying to steal the whole scene. Um, but even, like, after that, it kind of, like, does this kind of weird slow pace thing where, like, he's slowly, like, descending into, like, losing his cool or, like, losing control of his empire or getting caught and stuff like that. Yeah. And in a way, it's, it kind of, like, really slows down the movie where it's just like, okay, we've had, like, all this intensity and stuff like that. Now we're just kind of just, like, bored. Mm-hmm. And then it gets to the point where it starts getting intense again. Yeah. When, like, he gets caught. And then he's, like, trying to get his way out. Right. And I think that's where, like, it's like this weird kind of, like, like. This, like it stalls. Yeah. It's like we get this escalating kind of, like, oh, like, you know, he's into, he's in America. He's in uh, Freedom Town. He's working for Frank. He's making the deals and stuff like that. Right. And then it's just, like, then, like, the push it to the limit. Like, this sh- straight, like, roller coaster straight down. Like, oh, shit. And then teeter 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 and then like back up again mm. i have a um a thought okay covid19 watched this movie explain you know the trajectory where it kind of went up and then it mm-hmm. you know and then it went down mm-hmm. and then it was going up really fast <laughs> yeah covid it's like taking it was like all right he came to america he's gonna build his empire like me <laughs> Okay. Okay. Now we're now we're like gonna stall out a little bit, and okay. Now we're gonna get crazy. Yeah. yeah. Um. I one thing I want to I want to bring up, and we can try to do it without really spoiling it, but I want to talk about like the correlation or the the similarities between First Cal and Scarface, mm-hmm. and how if you have any if you have any t- opinion on why they they are actually similar when it comes to the American Dream. I do have. Um. Well similarities in general mm-hmm. has to do with some pacing yeah uh because everything is long and drawn out in both the movies mm-hmm. um also 
with the American Dream, mm-hmm. um, they both have to do with thieving in a kind of way. Mm, okay. Um, and and friendship. Yeah. Um, Between like Cookie King Lou and like uh, Tony Montana and Manny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. I think that they both have to do with trying to make their way. Yeah. So um, that's where their similarities are. And I think that's where their similarities end. (laughs) (laughs) Are you saying that in First Cal, they don't have like, I don't know, a scene where somebody gets like chopped up with a chainsaw for cocaine or anything like that? No, what I'm saying is in Tony Montana, Uh, I mean, in Tony Montana and Scarface, uh, it's cocaine. Okay. And in First Cow, it's cocaine. Did you have to say the title of this fucking episode? I did. <laughs> I am fucking brilliant. You know what? I'm going to change the title of the episode. Fuck it. This is all people <laughs> like, what is he talking about? No, no, no. I'm going to leave it. That's so dumb. <laughs> but not dumb. But not dumb. Um, so... Uh, I'll go. I'll go ahead and talk about like the performance. Um, man, Al Pacino's so good in this movie. He is, but it's so funny because his Italian like mannerisms, yeah, are completely there. Yeah, yeah. You're like, you're like, okay, this is. Uh, I know if you've never seen Goodfellas, but this is like, yo, this is like Marco Corleone just like hit to like an eleven. Yeah, this like cool, like just like methodical, but like psycho now. Yeah. <laughs> um, I read that like uh for for Al Pacino to really stay in character or to kind of like keep the, the Spanish kind of flowing out of him or whatever his accent he was trying to do. Um, he had the director of photography only speak to him in Spanish mm. so he can kind of like stay with it. Um, I, I really like, I really like, what's his name? Um, homeboy Manny, Stephen Bauer. Mm-hmm. I really like his, his performance as like kind of like the playboy is a guy who's just, just trying to get laid. Mm-hmm. Um, but he always tries to be like, like Tony's subconscious. Yeah. Like, come on, man. Like, don't do that. And it, I, like I've seen the movie a thousand times. It always breaks my heart when I see fucking Manny die. Yeah. Because he finally grew up. Exactly. And he wanted to be with, um, not Elvira, uh, Gina. Gina. Want to be with Gina. He really wanted to be with her, but mm-hmm. he was so, um, I guess, like, oppressed by tony yeah he didn't want to risk it yeah and then finally they get married and that's when he loses his shit like uh tony montana loses his shit and just kills him yeah that's so fucked up yeah and then you could tell he had so much regret after he did it yeah i really that shot of when after he shoots manny and then the camera just like stays on tony montana and just kind of like slowly zooms in on him his face in his face is like like all of a sudden he was in shock. Yeah, and and like you ha- he you know he had the thought of like, holy fuck, I don't have anybody, like at all. Yeah. I mean, because not only did he just kill Manny, he he essentially killed Gina. Like yeah. even before she died, she's like, yeah, she's she's dead to me now, or or he's dead to her. Yeah. Um, so I think he said this about how Tony Montana wanted to like fuck his sister. Oh yeah, I was like, isn't didn't he like? Have the hots for her or something? Well, what's, what's your take on it? Because that's always, like, the running theory that, like, he was sexually attracted to his sister. 
I think he was, mm. but he, because he was, I don't think he wanted, and he knew how men could be. Mm. I think he didn't want anyone touching her, mm. not because he wanted her, but just because the purity thing. Yeah, the whole purity thing, mm. and because like, if I'm attracted to my own sister, what are other men thinking? Yeah, yeah. Like he could control himself, but like, nobody else could touch her. That would have made this movie like. I mean, granted, like. Granted, like, when Tony Montana is, like, killing these people, he's really, like, killing the people that do have it coming. Mm-hmm. Or who, like, pieces, other than, like, Manning, who are, like, pieces of shit and stuff like that. But in hindsight, like, even though he's kind of a savage, he's, you know, not really that much of a bad guy. And I think, like, if, let's say it's, like, they decide to go, they decide to go fuck it and, like, have some type of, like, weird sexual counter between him and Gina, that would have made the character completely unredeemable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, even after he killed her, mm. or not, he didn't kill her. Um, but like those those goons came in, was like blasting his ass, yeah. Yeah, and he the way he was holding her mm. was really odd. Oh yeah, it he, was he, kind he, of like like even though he wasn't gonna do anything with her in real life, mm. like even though he was attracted to her, but not like sexually attracted to her. Well, he was sexually he attracted have, yeah. to her, but not ever gonna do anything about it. Kind of. Mm. She was always his possession, almost like yeah. how um, Michelle Pfeiffer's character was. Yeah, I mean, like, and you never see, you never see uh, Tony Montana, Tony and Elvira ever like intimate. You never see them kiss. You never see them like holding hands or anything like that. Nope, they got married. Yeah, and they did kiss when they got married. Yeah, but, but see, even like when they kiss, you like it, the veil's kind of covered up. No, her whole head got in the way. Yeah. So you don't even see their lips. Yeah. And it just, it kind of like leads to the idea of like Tony just kind of was just in for like a possession. Yeah. You know, he wanted to possess the cocaine racket. He wanted to possess, in a way, he kind of wanted to possess Manny too. He did possess him. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. um, he was controlling him too. Like you could do whatever you want as long as you're loyal to me and don't touch my sister. Yeah. And that's it. I don't think he ever explicitly said it. So the f- the faults on Tony. He did explicitly <laughs> say it. Oh yeah, that's oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, he goes, oh, he like slaps shit out of him. <laughs> yeah, that's my fucking. I think man. he pulled a gun on him. No, he just like he just like hit he like hit him in the chest like almost like palm slapped him really hard or some oh, shit. Okay. Um, what did you think of the direction, Brian De Palma? Brian De Palma's great direction. <sighs> I think he did a good job of, like, setting up the scenes and, like, setting up how he wanted to tell the story. Mm. Um, Like I said, some of the time was a bit much, Mm. but sometimes it gave you a really good idea of exactly what's going through his mind. Mm. Like, when he's sitting there at the... um, like, even though I thought the scene was long, it still kind of made sense anyway, where he was at the club before it got shot up. Mm. And first, like, you could see his how his mind was working, because first he sees um, his sister. Yeah. And then he sees Elvira. So he doesn't know which way he wants his mind to go. Yeah. So he finally just sits down with her. And then, uh, what's the guy's name, Frank? Yeah, Frank takes off with Elvira and then the cop is like on his shit. 
Oh, I, I and he's love. zoning out, like yeah. looking at his sister again, like she's with this guy on the dance floor. I really love I, something about it, but I really love that scene with the cop. It's because he's tuning him out, like yeah, like the guy is like being serious with him, and he and Tony is like not there. He's like, I don't give a fuck about what you have to say. Yeah, my sister's about to fuck this dude, <laughs> and. I'm not good with that. I think, yeah, and I, I think one of the reasons why I really like this movie because if you, um, as the as before, before he meets the cop, Tony kind of like goes through this, like these these horrific crimes where he kills that dude, he kills that Robega guy in Freedom Town. Um, he has to like fight his way out of the hotel. Uh, Omar Suarez like. Or no no oh, what's, um, no Sosa is the other guy Omar Suarez uh, Frank's uh, right hand guy gets murdered and stuff like that yeah Tony Montana kind of like goes through these things and he like doesn't have to face the consequences yeah he's like you know he kills that he kills that drug dealer and all that kind of stuff and when the cop shows up it's like the realization is like oh dude there's gonna be consequences yeah like even though you kill this cop like later you will definitely get fucked. Mm-hmm. Um, and even like he never, he never took that as an omen because he was just so blindsided of like him getting that power. Right. And I thought it was like, I thought, was, I thought that was so well paced because that's where we start seeing the rise, which does the, the montage and then like the fall, mm-hmm. like right after. Yeah. Um, so that's what I thought about the direction. Mm. Um, Michelle Pfeiffer was really hot. <laughs> you thought she was really hot? I, I don't know. It's not like there was something about her haircut and the way she did her makeup mm. and the shape of her mouth. Yeah. Like I, her eyes were like really piercing. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to get wrong. Yeah. She looked very beautiful. I mean, she's not my type because she was super skinny. Yeah. Well, but, that's Hollywood for you. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's cocaine. That's the cocaine <laughs> era. Um, so there had been like this long rumor that there was actually cocaine on set. I'm sure there was at that time. Yeah, because nobody has ever confirmed or denied that there was cocaine or not cocaine. Really? So, yeah, like Brian De Palma has been like, eh, maybe, maybe not. You know, because whenever they do cocaine in film, it's always like, uh, like powdered milk or something like that, or yeah. powdered baby food or something like that. So I was trying. I wanted to get your take if you think they actually probably did use cocaine on, on set. I don't think the big mountain of powder on his desk at the end oh. was actually cocaine. But I'm sure some of it was cocaine that they were doing. Or, like, you know, because um, even on the set of Star Wars, I'm sure they were doing cocaine. <laughs> yeah, it's Hollywood. You know, like, that's time. how it was at that time. Yeah. Or like, um, River Phoenix died of an overdose because they were all doing cocaine at that time. Oh, during like the ninety. Well, what was during it? the eighties and the nineties yeah. and stuff. Yeah, it could have seemed possible. Um, okay. So this movie was considered rated X because it's super violent, which is I mean, when when Brian De Palma first like submitted it to the uh, like the MPA, I think if or the MPA if it was created around that time. Uh, for rating, actually, yeah, it was on time. Um, I th- I think that's kind of interesting how it was considered a rated X, but like, it because there are scenes where it's violent, but it 
I guess by today's standard, it's not really that violent. Because, like, you get, like, that, you get that hotel scene, and the dude gets shot, and then, like, there's almost nothing else after. Oh, you mean with the chainsaw and all that blood? Yeah, yeah, so there's that, okay? But, like, like when Omar Suarez gets hung, he gets hung, and then, like, we kind of don't get any, we don't get, like, a whole lot of, like, sick violence, like the chainsaw scene, for a while. Mm-hmm. Um... Like not until like the end, near the end, where I forgot the actor's name, but the dude gets shot in the head in the car. Yeah. So I that's what I'm, I was thinking right now, like the guy who played Tuco's, <laughs> Tuco's uncle. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why I was kind of thinking, like if, like in hindsight, this movie has like small pockets of violence, but nothing that like compares to like today. Yeah, but I think at that time, like drugs and everything mm-hmm. were really a touchy subject. Yeah. So even the amount of drugs mm. would have probably affected the rating. Uh, and yeah. and even the scenes that were violent were mm. bloody as fuck. Yeah. And I, I found out that it was actually bloodier. Um, like the part where, um, I forgot his friend's name, but he's like hung up and like he cuts, like takes the chainsaw to the, to the guy's body. Uh-huh. But you never see where the chainsaw connects. Yeah. I found out that like he actually cut the dude's arm mm-hmm. and there's a scene where you see the arms dangling. Oh, okay. That's probably what made it an X. Yeah. And then uh, it got changed, right? Yeah. to like a rated R, but like this movie, it's so funny. This movie, um, <laughs> this movie would like show up on like local TV or like USA network or something like that. They would, they, like I said, they would just cut out the fucks and you would see boobs. No, actually take that back. There's a scene, the scene where Manny's laying in bed Mm-hmm. And there's that woman laying next to him naked, and you can see her her breasts. I remember it would be a black bar. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this will kind of show how dated I am, or how old I am. I want to talk about what what I told you while we we're watching this movie. Um, I hope you guys can remember, or you folks listening can remember. Back in the day when they would show this on TV, because this movie is. Uh, the theatrical cut is almost two and a half hours. And back in the day with tr- commercials and everything, that two and a half hours can span out to like three to three and a half hours. Mm-hmm. I remember back then, like they would show Scarface. They would show the part where Scar or Tony kills Frank. He looks out the window and like there's that uh there's that blimp like a sweeping shot yeah you see the blimp like the world is yours and and then like you would see the credits roll and the announcer would be like uh come back tomorrow well you'll see part two of scarface yeah (laughs) (laughs) and then you see and then it would just start off like montage and shit like that yeah but i remember like watching that and be like all right cool watch scarface tomorrow even though i seen it like a bunch of times before then (laughs) because my mom had it like recorded on vhs (laughs) (laughs) um Oh, yes. The days of recording things on VHS. I know, right? You fucking something shows up on HBO. Dude, get the tape. Get the tape. They're fucking they're showing Batman or some <laughs> shit. <laughs> um, okay, so the, since the topic is searching for the American dream, which, you, which one do you think did it better for the search for the American dream? I would have to say first cow. Okay. Because... I don't think the American dream is to become a kingpin. Mm. Um, I mean, even though that is kind of the American dream now to like build your empire. Not 
not i don't want to be a drug kingpin well i'm not i'm not saying like you become a drug kingpin but like there have there i think it's just to be successful at something yeah i mean Um, there are like people in uh, people just out there who look at scarface as like an inspiration this dude's an immigrant he came to america and he got all he bought a fucking tiger you know yeah but it's still not how people would view themselves as being successful. Mm. If, I mean, making lots of money, yeah, but not like. Basically, if you get into that, you know you're gonna die before your time. Yeah. So, um, I think first cow was better at the American dream, mm. just because they they really were trying to make an honest business. Yeah. And they were, you know good people yeah they stole milk and they deserve to what happened to them (laughs) i almost spoiled the ending (laughs) um i'm trying to think my take on the american dream i don't know i've been cynical as fuck lately and i would say the first cow is the idea of what people think the american dream is but in reality it's scarface (laughs) um I don't know. You know, I'll just go. I'll go and I'll go and re- and share the same sentiment. And say that first cow is, if okay, first cow is what the American dream should be, and is for a lot of people. Yeah, it is for a lot of people. They just want to start their own business. Especially would, now with the pandemic, a lot of um, immigrants or like mom and pop restaurant owners or shopkeepers are yeah. losing their businesses. Yeah. So. Um, that i think it more coincides with that yeah and scarface is like the more flashy kind of like there's a lot of rappers and hip-hop artists who like really really love scarface there's a rapper called scarface and shit like that who's just like yeah i want that that crazy life and blah 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 and you can kind of say that like i mean jay you know jay-z you know he started out you know slaying rocks around the corner and stuff like that and got into hip-hop and then he's like worth like a billion dollars now. Yeah. I mean, but he's like he didn't do that from slaying a rock. He like just made the smart move of making these great base business deals. And I mean, he's one of the richest people, you know, in America. Yeah. Um. So in terms of holding up, do you think Scarface still holds up today? I think it does. Mm. It's still a story that people want to hear. Yeah. Um. There's nothing about it other than like some of the costume and set design that's dated mm. um but the story itself like it's classic yeah um so i don't th- i think it still holds up yeah there's like i mean one thing i will say about scarface is that there's no like amazing shots where you go wow i wonder how they did that there's some iconic shots like how certain characters look or like oh that's like a really that'd be like a really great picture or something like that mm-hmm. or very memorable shots like mineral or minimal me- memorable memorable <laughs> oh, shots. memorable okay. yeah memorable <laughs> shots like you know like you know tony uh, tony montana sitting in front of all that, that p- huge pile of cocaine and yeah. stuff like that you know, but or it, or when he's in the fountain and dead at the end. Yeah, where it says like the world is yours, which I which I found out the world is yours. The statue that appears at the end of the original 1932 Scarface. Oh wow! Where the world where the words go, the world is yours. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like an homage to the old one. To the old one, yeah. Which, but also, it's a great like sarcastic twist. <laughs> yeah, the world is yours. Oh, you're dead right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, quick side note. Um, or a quick little trivia. Um, Brian De Palma and Steven Spielberg were 
were buddies during film school. And at the time when uh, De Palma was shooting this movie, um, well, De Palma and Spielberg would visit each other's sets whenever they were shooting a movie. And Spielberg came to see Scarface, and what happened was there's a scene where... Um, I forgot the character's name. I think his name is called like Mr. Skeleton or something like that, or Skeleton Face, the dude with the shades and the double barrel shotgun. Mm-hmm. When he gets the grappling hook and throws it on the roof, yeah, and he climbs up. Steven Spielberg shot that scene. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, my take on Scarface is I think it still holds up. I still love this movie. Um, I'll probably show my kid this movie someday soon. I mean, because I saw it as a kid. I wouldn't show it to her until she could really appreciate it. Yeah. And I don't think she could just quite yet. Yeah, maybe I'll wait like... Another know. year or two. Yeah, maybe like another year or two. Because like I, said, I saw this when I was young and I didn't appreciate it for it was. I just saw it as like a violent movie and like, oh, they say fuck a lot and there's a titty, you know, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But of course, as I got older, I'm like, yeah, it's a great film. So I still think it holds up. I still enjoy the fuck out of it. Um... I'm very curious about that Scarface remake that got announced a while ago. Oh yeah. Let's see where that goes. They've been trying to even though even though 1983 Scarface is a remake of 1932's version, I'm really curious to see how they do um Scarface now. If it's going to be set like current or at a certain time frame or whatever. My kid is 2 years older than yours. My uh, older one? Yeah. And she will probably won't watch Scarface for a very long time. Yeah, I can because she's that. very against drugs, gets really weird about any kind of nudity. Like, mm-hmm. like even if it like pops up real quick, she mm-hmm. gets mad at me about it. Your daughter, your oldest daughter, is your mother. <laughs> That's how I picture your mother <laughs> reacting while watching stuff like this. Well, she used to watch stuff like this, and then just made me cover my eyes. So <laughs> she wasn't that prude, but she is kind of prude. Yeah, my mom used to do that. No, actually, she didn't say that. Tell me to cover mine. She's just like, all right, whatever. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, there's like there's a ton of movies I should not have watched at a very early <laughs> age. ton of movies. Um, okay, so is there anything else? We good to go? Good to go. Good to go. All right, so we want to thank everybody who tuned in to this week's show. Um, we hope you guys are staying safe out there. Please wash your damn hands and wear your fucking mask. Um... You can find uh, this episode and all all past episodes on all podcast catchers, uh, iTunes, Podbean, uh, Spotify, or whatever you know podcast catcher you use. Uh, next week, we are going to actually this is gonna be I think it's gonna be an interesting show. Um, next week, we are gonna do uh, Amazon's original Radioactive. Um, can't remember who stars in that movie. The names escape me right now. But it's a movie about um, Marie Curie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it stars Rose, uh, Roseman Pike. There you go. Um, so, yeah, it's about, like, essentially, like, the discovery of, like, radiation. Radium. Radium? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I saw the trailer. For, I was like, hmm. Right, that, that's the, the stuff that they use to paint mm-hmm. um, timepieces. Oh, okay. To make them glow in the dark. Ah. And then the girls from licking the paint. The little paintbrushes and stuff, uh. they were, like, losing their teeth and, like, their bones were, like, Ooh, melting shit. and shit. They were losing their hair and then they die. Did not know that. Well, this this movie's not the people who are dying from it. 
It's about the, it's about what's her name? Mary Mary Carrier, right? Yeah. Who created radium or discovered it? Sorry. Yeah. Um, so we're going to do that. That's on Amazon Prime. So if you have Amazon Prime, you're all set. It'll be right there on, on Friday. The 24th, right? Yeah, the 24th. Uh, we're going to pair that up with our Jared Cinematic, which would be 2002's Frida, which is on Netflix. Um, I've actually never seen this movie. Uh, I am very aware of, uh, was it Frida Carlo? I always Carlo. Carlo. No, Carlo. Carlo? No. Carlo. Uh, oh, Car- Carlo. Uh-huh. Okay, yeah, I always say her last yeah, name. Yeah, it's like K A H L O. Yeah. Um so we're going to we're going to compare those two and see how they hold up. Kelsey, what's the topic of the week of that episode? Who rules the world? Girls. Thank you, Beyoncé. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so please join us for that uh, episode. Should be a interesting discussion on um, the merits of each movie and see how that rolls out. Okay, so we're gonna bid you guys adieu, but before we go, I like to share a story. Uh, in my youth, I did a lot of stupid things, and arrests were made, and mistakes were made. And one day, well, one during one of my many arrests. Um, my friend gave me some helpful advice and I didn't listen. I didn't listen to the advice very well. So when we're in the holding cell and it seems like everything's going to get worse that we essentially admitted, or I essentially admitted my guilt and his guilt. Um, he looked at me and he must have just saw Scarface because the words from Tony Montana played by Al Pacino went as such. You should have kept your mouth shut. They'd have thought that you were a horse and let you out. <laughs> <laughs>